Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Work Happy Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Kettner, and today's guest is the president of ALSD, which is the Association of Luxury Suite Directors. Uh, she started out as an intern. She's from Dayton, Ohio, uh, adjunct professor, a mother, a wife, uh, and my friend, uh, Amanda Verhoff. How are you, Amanda? You didn't add baller to that list, Greg. Oh, sorry. Like, is this like a shortcoming or are we not that good of friends now to consider me an absolute baller in the industry too? See, I have, I have an ego. We'll get to that later though. <laughs> Fair enough. Good, I'll, I'll, I'll re-record uh, the intro for you. Baller. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Man. No, that's awesome. Great intro. Great intro. And uh, a fast friend. Yeah, Greg, we, we only met a couple months ago and I can tell that uh, you and I are going to have some fun conversations down the line. So appreciate having you having me on, Greg, and looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, no. Uh, we'll, we'll throw a softball question uh, out for you. What does work happy mean to you? Man, what are you gonna have to, this is a softball question. That's so loaded with so many things. Uh, <laughs> but, but okay, so I'll, I'll say this about work happy. And this is going to sound very, very vague and like, so duh, Amanda, we, we know that. But it means doing what you require to be happy, what is required to be happy. Again, that sounds really logical. So if you don't mind, I'll kind of go a little deeper on that. So I have stressors just like anybody else in in this world, right? And, And some of them lead to anxiety or worse. And I tried using an outlet, I tried using a counselor. I may try again, but when I did it for the first time, a couple of those things, they weren't a fit. And so I did a lot of other things by trial and error yet I was keeping the elephant in the room at arm's length. Yeah. I have taken antidepressants in my life and I know they work, but I, the competitor in me, the sports industry, which you work in, I wanted to win without the help of something that isn't natural. Right. And so I fought, I fought, I fought to not go back on any type of medication. And I, I got to say I lost, right? Like I didn't win. And, and so my friend, that's funny, uh, a counterpart of mine said, you know what, those types of medications, they're just your brain coach and everybody needs a coach to win. And I said, thank God for you. Thank God for you as a friend. Um, so anyway, what I'm trying to say is that what's required to be happy for me was going back on a medication. As much as I didn't want to, it stopped the, the stressors that led to the anxiety that led to the panic of the, the make you sick to your stomach, face gets hot. The idea that's in your head, it cycles for days. The medication helped that. And again, I, I now am resigned to the fact that there's absolutely nothing wrong with being on a medication. That doesn't mean you're losing. That just means that uh, you have a brain coach that some others don't need, but maybe you do. So that's what that meant when I said you do what's required to be happy. And that's, that's me personally. But my stressors oftentimes come from work. So work happy, the, the, the medication that I'm on makes me work happier. I don't think you're ever completely happy. There's always going to be stressors. Yeah. I also think too, Greg, and I'll ask you a question too. When you say work happy, God, you have to also mean play happy, right? If you can't work all the time, is that, is that part of the question too, is that you got to balance? Yeah, I think so. It's, you know, it's, it's both. It's, and and I like what you said. It's um, what makes you happy when you're working. Um, But yeah, you have to have both and, and you have to have balance. And, it is. And, you know, with my statement I just made, I, did, I didn't bury the lead, right? I dove right into, you know, what helps me work happy from a you know, very specific standpoint. But I think that you also have to consider when you ask about 
working happy, you have to decide what matters to you. And I'll, I'll say what a mentor told me, he, he said, and this was actually very recently that he said this to me. I've, I've known him for, I think, going on 20 some odd years now. And he's probably said it to me in the past and I wasn't listening, but he said it to me the other day and it hit home. He said, make your list of what you give a shit about. Mm-hmm. It is your current workplace that does it meet the things that are on your list? And if not, one, go find them in your current job, figure them out and fix it. Two, leave the current job that you're in. Or your other option is revise and adapt. Go somewhere that you have a list that's going to almost get you there and match what your, your, your work needs and what you need. Again, it's never going to be perfect. But the first step is making that list of what you give a shit about. And if that means vanity and ego, get a job that delivers that. Go be an actor. You care about food, care about cooking, care about helping people, go work at a food bank. You care about work-life balance, look at being a, a teacher, for instance, who might get summers off. I mean, there's things that you, you just have to, you, you don't make a list of the things that you want at work. You make a list of the things that you want in your life and see if your work adds up to that. So that's, that's a, a little bit more uh, non-specific way of, of talking about working happy, right? Is to make that list of what you give a shit about. And I've told a couple people that before and they, they kind of chuckled at it, but it's so true. What do you give a shit about, Greg? I give a shit about my family, uh, about my golf game. Uh, and really uh, what drives me is making people happy. The fact that I have made a career of, of sharing with others. And I think I got it from my parents. They always, you know, look at the bright side of life. But if I can get up, make somebody's day, make somebody laugh, I'm, I'm satisfied. Where are you in your birth order in your family? You're an only child, you're a middle child, what are you? Yes. Well, I'm, I'm only asking because I'm a middle kid and which makes me a people pleaser. Are you a middle yeah, kid? Yep. And we're weird. Are we not weird? The middle kids are always the weirdest. <laughs> and sometimes the funniest and the wittiest, but that's, it's so true, man. And be, but I'll tell you, I'll, I'll ask if you agree, like being a people pleaser is really hard. Yeah, it can be. And, and, and almost sometimes to your detriment because you worry so much about making people happy. I mean, I know it's your job and I'd love to hear kind of your perspective if that's your job, you know, and I guess it's not your, your job, but, but it is to some extent, like, how do you, how do you, if you don't make somebody happy, how does it make you feel? Yeah, it's uh, that, that's a great question. And, and I feel like I failed, you know, when, when you try and you try and, and being a people pleaser. Um, and I never really thought about this before, but there's times where I'm like, well, how come people don't call me up or text me? Cause I'm the only, always the one doing it. And every once in a while, I need my cup filled as well. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, and speaking of like needing your cup filled, one of the other things, well, there's two more things about working happy, uh, pivoting from like being a middle, weird middle kid, because if, if there's any listening, they know our, our struggle. The one thing about filling your own cup is finding a boss who treats you the way you need to be treated in order to be inspired. I've had that. It, it, what, what's weird about my situation, though, is that my entire life, I dealt with my parents were incredible. They put me on a pedestal. They helped me with everything. I mean, they gave us the life that, that, you know, any kid would absolutely love. Never really got yelled at. Never really got yelled at by coaches. Played sports in college, never really got yelled at. And then I came to work and my boss now, Bill, our chairman, our founder, like he doesn't yell at me either. That's what I kind of need. Now there's a a bit of a a kind of a double edge here, but that, that inspires me. He actually compliments me day to day. And that keeps me motivated. 
I'm not one who does well if I'm, if I'm criticized all of the time. I do well when I'm kind of put up, right? And whether that's ego or vanity or whatever. And he does that. So I have found that. Luckily, I've been in the same place for 15 years. And that's one of the reasons why. One of the, the things, though, that I think you can't get blindsided, though, by is like the failure. Sure, you want to be not yelled at or put up on a pedestal or you know, do the best and make people happy. But holy shit, what happens when you fail? What happens when you make a mistake? Yeah. And there's, yeah. that, there's that saying about, you know, fail quicker, uh, learn quicker or something like that. I wish I had done that a little bit more earlier on, because I think when you when there are certain stressors that are led to because you just don't know how to handle those particular stressors. I never learned how to handle criticism. I never really learned how to handle, you know, someone yelling at me or criticizing or, you know, being too hard on me. And I, in essence, you know, kind of yearn to fail, but I don't because I'm so I'm so afraid of it. And it sounds like you, you kind of are a little bit too. I always tell people, pardon my language, I have a fear of fucking up. Well, I do, because I don't think I've done it enough to understand that it's going to be okay. Every time you fail, you learn something. So there's that. And then lastly, I would say that you got to play to your strengths at work. Yeah. There's a lot of things that I know I don't well, don't, don't do well. I know that. And so I, I try not to do it. I try to get better at them sometimes too, but like play to your strengths, man. Because at the end of the day, you can go home and be like, yes, I did that. That's a good place to end on that question, I hope. Yeah, no, but I, I think also, too, I mean, you're very self-aware, right? So you know your strengths, you know you know your weaknesses, and you manage a whole group of uh, people. And I was very impressed um, at, you know, the um, ALSD in Vegas, right? We're in COVID. Everybody's still worried about that. And then you had this amazing conference that you put on, but yet you still took the time to talk to people, to smile, to make people laugh. And so you are that people pleaser and you're such a good connector. And, and you know what though? I want you on here. That, that is so um, uh, cliche at this point, but so organic because I came into this industry, total introvert 15 years ago. And there were several reasons why I was, which is not important to this conversation, but I came out of my shell because of the people in this industry, because we are in the corporate hospitality industry. And by and large, that means that they are the best hanger outers in the entire world. They're the best networkers because that's what they do day in and day out. And so there is, they, they are all cut from the same cloth. You, you said this word earlier before we started recording about someone that is just salt to the earth. Well, someone said that to me at, a, at this ALSD. She came up to me a first time attendee and said, it's incredible. This is like the salt to the earth sales people. I've never, I've never been in something like this. And she was so right. And those people motivate, motivate me. I also... It, Without using a word that I think is overused at this point, like it's not inauthentic, my energy now. That comes from our industry. I want to make them happy, sure, but they're also cool people, you know, that, that inspire me to work harder, to have energy, and to just, just make ALSD better for them. And at the end of the day, you also, there is, a, there is a piece to it that you have to always consider is that every thousand person or however many people are coming to a show, they all come with an objective. And it's really hard to try to meet all of those objectives. But that's one of the other keys as a people pleaser is you try to please every single one of those people because they all come in, some for a common goal, but others, they all have their, their own little objectives. So pleasing them is, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, an art at this point. But again, working in an industry like ours, Greg, it's hard not to be happy talking to those people, you know? And, and it was great. I mean, I got to meet so many, so many cool people there. I mean, we were talking about Scott O'Connell, right? Just recently retired, but here's a guy, um, one of the happiest guys I've met recently, and he's did it for 34 years with the twins, but, you know, managing people and, and when we can work happy and, and when people like you and Scott and myself, when we manage people in a happy manner, 
um, it does so much good. I mean, productivity, you know, increases by 31%. Um, revenue is up 147%. If you have a team that works happy versus like, eh, I got to go to work again. So there's so many benefits of working happy that people are starting to see, which is great. You know, this, these days I feel like it's so much harder to work happy for the simple fact that we, and maybe it's not an obligation, but it's as if we need to be on 24 seven. Maybe yeah. the advent of the internet and social and 24 hour news cycles and smartphones, you can, anybody can get a hold of you at any time. And I think that that's really hurt maybe not productivity because it hasn't, um, but the, the attitude, gosh, I just worked until 11 o'clock last night. Now I got to get up and do it all over again at seven in the morning. That's hard, no matter what leader you have. And so I think that like COVID almost let us reset that is to go home and say, okay, I can be a whole lot more productive when I don't have the, the windshield time, the window time I'm home with my family. I can, maybe spend a little bit more time with them, maybe jump on the treadmill, maybe, you know, cook something for them. And then I can still get my eight hours in or my six hours or my five hours. And it made us a little bit more mindful of the wasted time that we had and the fact that, holy shit, I can now be reached 24 seven, but I don't need to be, to be happy. I don't know. What, what do you think about that? Do you think that, that we're now living in this 24 seven world that's really making work happy and, and mental health? It's, it's not helping. No, it's not. And it says it's social media, but it's anti-social media to me, right? Because you scroll, whether it's on Facebook or LinkedIn, you're not, you're not posting your shit days on LinkedIn, right? You're trying to inspire each other and, and say this. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you, um, during COVID, I've spent a lot more time away from my phone. I now keep in my office. Um, I have uh, Alexa. She wakes me up in the morning. Um, and for those of you who don't know Alexa, it's uh, <laughs> it was funny the other night I was going to bed trying to set it and I was got frustrated at this piece of plastic. I was yelling at it and Becky's like, what, what's going on? I'm like, stupid Siri is not listening to me. And she goes, oh, that's Alexa. <laughs> oh, someone's got to stress that you straight man. But that's the point. There's too much of that. There's Siri and Hey Google and Alexa and all of that stuff. I want to talk about social though, because this is not necessarily about work happy, but live happy. Social media is and this is an opinion. I'm, I'm not an expert in any of this. It's the devil. And I'll tell you why. You get on there and, and I, I, you got to post less. And I'm not saying go on there and allow everybody else just to post. You should have some responsibility to post too if you're going to use that outlet. But when you post, you feel beholden to check your phone for the likes and the comments and everything else. And then you also, you know, scroll and see just stupid shit on Facebook these days. You need to do that. I went away from Facebook because I had God love them and all due respect, like all kinds of friends and all that stuff on Facebook, love following their stuff. But it was it was a drain on my time. I went over to Instagram, which, you know, still a social network. But I decided I'm only going to follow news sources, um, you know, certain maybe chefs that I like, things that are going to teach me something every single day instead of following all of my friends. I can go to Facebook if I want to do that. And so I only got on Instagram really for the ads, number one. I love the ads. They follow me. They track me. They know what I like, which is great. But also, again, that's where I get my news if I need to. Uh, it's, you know, following news sources and things. Not the only place, of course. But I just, I just figured, why would I need to, to, to base my life on what others do? And what am I actually learning from social if I'm not following or looking at the right things? And so it's it post less, worry about that less, compare your life less, and, 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 and learn about things that really do matter to you, which is not other people's lives. I'm reading more about you um, through this all, but man, I have just turned up the, the reading through all of this. Have you? Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I've done more reading and I've done a lot more phone calls, right? When we first started, I was on Zoom all the time, but um, just the learning that I've done, I mean, our, our screens are blinking so fast. It's not giving our eyeballs a rest or our brains. So get off Zoom if you can, or keep your meetings to a half hour. But picking up the phone and, and, and calling somebody was so great because there is a good side to social media um, in that, you know, I have been posting and, and we, we have that forum uh, about mental health in the workplace. And so I've been posting a lot about mental health and, and how to deal with it and whatnot. Uh, and two days ago, I got a message. Um, somebody left me a voicemail. He didn't leave his name. He's like, hey, it's, uh, it's been a while since I've seen you and stuff. Um, give me a call. So I called him back. And he said, I really want to thank you for posting all this stuff on LinkedIn. I've been following you about mental health, mental awareness. He said, because just after I last saw you six years ago, I attempted to take my own life. Um, and luckily, uh, I went through it. I, I, you know, I got the help I needed. I'm on medication. And he said, it's so cool to see somebody that's a friend of mine that's promoting this stuff and, and talking about it. And, you know, that's what we're doing here. So there is that good side. But you're right. 70, 80, maybe 90, 95 percent is just crap on there. And it's well, and yeah. And, and let me clarify, too. I think LinkedIn is still a very powerful platform yeah. and yeah. one that is filled with things like you're doing. And it, the social networks that, that have what you're doing on them, those are the those are the legit ones, man. It's the one that we should be leaning into. But LinkedIn, I think, has been a, a wonderful um, way for someone like me in an association. I have to know, one, how to run an association, but two, I got to know what all the different leagues and teams and racetracks and all of, all of those different groups are doing. LinkedIn allows me to do that because all these, all these executives and, and personnel at, at teams are posting what their venues are doing and their best practices. And so that's a beautiful way for me to learn about kind of industry best practices and things. So yes, listen, don't get me wrong. I don't mean to be flippant about social media, but it has its detriments, but it also, as you said, definitely has its, its pros. I, I completely agree with you there. Yeah, but the addiction with mental you know, or social media um, is up there with sugar, uh, cocaine, as far as addictions, right? I have you know, no doubt, yeah. And we try and teach our daughter, like, you only get so many hours and put your phone away. And then I always feel like, well, crap, now I got to do the same thing, <laughs> right? I know, that's practice. the hardest thing. My kids, when they ask for TV or iPads or whatever, you know, and you say no, and you're scrolling on your phone, and you feel like such a hypocrite, you know, we're like, oh, it's for work, it's for work. <laughs> Yeah, no, exactly. Well, hey, before we wrap this up, tell us a little bit more about ALSD. Uh, we had that forum on mental health. I know that was, it, for me, it was it was great. And I wanted it to be more of a discussion and you jumping in and talking and some of the other teams and just the conversations, I know it was at one of the last sessions, but the conversations in the hallway, even as I was going back to my hotel room, three people stopped me and said, hey, thanks for talking about it. And it was so, so great. So tell us a little bit more about ALSD, who it's for and how they can uh, sign up for next year in New York. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for allowing me to you know, talk about what we do. ALSD is an association for those that uh, sell service and provide fan experience in sports venues. So what does that mean, Amanda? Um, so ALSD was started 32 years ago when suites were just being built in stadiums and arenas. And the suite directors, uh, then that they were called, didn't quite know how to, how do you, how do you sell this suite? How do you service this suite? Um, you know, and 30 years have, you know, since lapsed since then, there's suites and loge boxes and ledge boxes and club seats. Well, our association covers that industry. And our members are people who work for teams. So let's just call it the director of premium service at the Cincinnati Reds or the VP of sales at the, um, you know, name the team, uh, you know, Denver Broncos or whatever. All the major sports teams and their premium seating personnel are members of the ALSD, as well as large colleges, minor league venues, racing venues. 
So all those folks get together for a conference every year and share best practices. Okay, what's going on in the corporate market? Who's buying suites these days? Why are they not buying suites these days? How can I provide a better experience for my fans and my premium clients when they come? So we're a year-round membership uh, association and platform. But again, we hang our hat on a once a year in-person opportunity when everybody can come together and share those best practices. And some of the new topics that are you know, coming online, and, and I don't mean new in a sense that we didn't know about them before, but we are leaning in more towards them because I think we're all trying to get better. Our diversity and inclusion, uh, our mental health, our advocacy type groups. Um, and we don't always have to be so niche to talk premium seating or talk about our, our new design and build forum or our new technology division. We can actually take a step back and say premium seating doesn't mean much if we all can't get our minds right and work happy, you know, to use what you do. And so we're leaning into those because they're all going to make, you know, a well-oiled machine hopefully run even smoother once we can understand our employees, our personnel, our counterparts in the industry. And so when you and others brought the opportunity to talk mental health at ALSD, it was a no-brainer. Yeah. People who work in sports, yes, it is a sexy logo to have on a business card. It sure is. But man, there's a lot of hours when you're there at night, on the weekends, on holidays, when everybody else is doing their recreation and leisure, you're working those recreation and leisure. And that's a lot, right? And so I think that we all took a pause during COVID to understand, okay, is that what I truly want? And if it is, more power to you. But if it's not, and you realized that you may not want the nights and the weekends and the holidays anymore, wow. That's powerful, you know? So I think it was, it was a really internal look this year. But for us in, in sports too, we sit on a very powerful platform, very powerful platform that we as, even as premium seating personnel can make a change because sports is listened to. Sports is always online and it sits on such a powerful platform for change. And so I'm proud that we're in the business of sports and not necessarily the, the LeBron James of the world that are on TV talking about it, but in our own way, we can make a change to, to make our individuals and our collective better. So that's, that's uh, ALSD in, in a nutshell on the aside of the areas that we're focusing on more. Thanks to people like you, Greg. Well, thank you. No, it was, it was, it was very humbling. And it's just, it, it's, it's become my why, you know, changing the world one laugh at a time, making people happy because of all the positive benefits and there's no real downside to it. I mean, for me to make you smile and make you happy, I could drop a card in the mail. I could drop a voicemail or something. It's not a huge program that you have to buy into and, and upkeep. It's just, it's being kind. It's, it's being nice to one another. And, and you and your team at, at ALSD do a hell of a job. So thank you for that. Well, join us next year in New York, Greg. We'll be there July 10 to 12, if you allow my plug here. Uh, New York City's calling for us, baby. So we're going to have a ton of fun. And Greg, you're going to be there front and center. We're not going to put... Uh, mental health, uh, you know, on the agenda at the end of the day, it's going to be at the beginning of the program because it matters that much. So thank you for, for bringing me on and uh, being able to talk about this so openly with you. I thought that was such a powerful session that you and Michelle and Brett and the guys ran at the, at the conference. So thank okay. you for that. And for all the listeners, if uh, you want to join us at ALSD in, in uh, New York city next year, I think it's in July, correct? They can go to ALSD.com. You got it, man. Yep. July 10 to 12. 2022. Yeah. And ALSD.com is the, the best place, but uh, reach out to me personally. I'd love to meet you, talk to you. LinkedIn's probably the best. And, you know, Greg, if, uh, if you want me to share my email address, I can certainly do that. I don't know Absolutely. what etiquette is here, but uh, Amanda at ALSD.com. How simple is that? You just have to remember the acronym. I, I said it so fast. You know, some people it's sports. So they, you know, get the acronym a little messed up sometimes, you know, ALDS and things like that, but ALSD. So easy, easy, easy to remember the first name part of it, Amanda. Yeah, perfect. 
Well, thanks again, Amanda, for jumping on. Uh, I really appreciate your friendship and all the great work that you're doing uh, for the sports industry. So thank you again. Appreciate it. Yeah, man, we got to thank Colby. Colby Fackler for getting us connected, yeah, Greg. Absolutely. So we'll have to give him a big Colby. high five. He's back in the industry. Back in the industry. So we're pretty excited about that. Right. Awesome, Greg. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. There it is, a wrap of another fun, interesting, informative podcast with Amanda Verhoff. Amanda, thank you so much for jumping on. Uh, appreciate your mentorship. Appreciate all what you do for the sports industry and for mental health. Uh, it's been great. It was lovely having a chat with you. Thank you to the Work Happy Nation for tuning in. Uh, if you have any questions, if this resonated with you, please leave us a comment. Uh, if you want to work on your organization, How to Work Happy, uh, would love to chat with you about that as well, too. Uh, you can call me 509-730-3888 or drop me an email at greg at gregkettner.com. Also, uh, a big advocate for mental health. If you or if you know anybody who's struggling, more than happy to have a conversation. I'm not a medical professional, um, but I do have conversations all the time about mental health, about how to work happy. Also want to give a shout out to Scott Connor. <laughs> Let me say that again, Scott. Scott O'Connor, uh, Michelle, Brett for being on the panel in Las Vegas and for my longtime friend, Colby Fackler, we worked together at the Vancouver Canucks, and he was the one that introduced me to Amanda. So that's it. Look ready for the next podcast coming up, and uh, we will do this again. Have a great day, and work happy. Cheers.